So today, brothers and sisters, we are going to be talking about how to know your calling in Christ Jesus, how to know your calling. God has called every one of us. But how do you know what God has called you to do? As we begin, let me read you some few scriptures to introduce uh, this topic to us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The Apostle Paul is making it clear that we receive a calling. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will not stumble. Again, it says, make your calling an election. Sure, as the King James Version will say, your calling. In First Corinthians 1.26, it says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Again, he's emphasizing the fact that we were called. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, he says, I press towards the mark for the price of the upward calling in Christ. There is a calling in Christ. And and lastly, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. He says that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened in order that you may know the reason for why he called you. So, This is where we come in today with these Bible studies to find out what is it that God called me to do. Because God did not just call you to attend a church, to go to church every Sunday. As a matter of fact, the reason why some people are not committed as Christians is because they don't know what God has called them to do. So they think that going to church is just me going on Sunday, find a comfortable seat in the church, sit down, listen to the word of God, give my offering and go home and show up again next Sunday or perhaps the next two Sundays because we, do, we don't understand that we are called. But from these scriptures that we read, I can comfortably, comfortably and clearly establish that every one of us that is in Christ has been called except you are not born again. If you are a born again child of God, you are called by God. You are called by God. And don't get me wrong. There are people that are called into full-time ministry, like me, called to be a pastor. But before being called to be a pastor or called to a specific ministry, every believer in Christ is called. Every believer in Christ is called. So you may be probably wondering, what is my calling in life? Or what is God's plan for my life? You may wonder, how do I find my calling? 
from God. You may even be struggling with that right now. At some point in our lives, these questions will come up and sometimes we'll pray about it. God has called you for a reason. He has a plan for your life on earth. And that is why we are here today to study so that we can understand what God has called us to do. Your calling may not be immediately clear to you, but God wants to show you through the Holy Spirit what his plan is for you. Now, before we go deep into this subject, let me just begin by saying what your calling is not. What your calling is not. Number one, your calling is not about you. Your calling is not about you. We should know that each of us are gifted uniquely with talents and gifts that are from God. But we must understand that we are, we are not called, we're not gifted with those talents and gifts for personal success or our own gratification. We are called for God and his kingdom. We are called for the good of others. The Bible says in Romans 12, 4 to 5, it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, each of us belongs to all the others. So we are called and gifted. We are given certain abilities and certain talents so that we can nourish the body which is the body of Christ. In First Peter 4, 10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Verse 11, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very word of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be glory, and the power forever and ever. Now, when choosing roles, whether in church or in the community or in, at your jobs, we're not supposed to be looking for what makes us m more money or gives us the most recognition. None of those things are bad in themselves, but we are to seek roles that allow God to walk through us. So there are people who rather choose something that contributes nothing to humanity or themselves as long as it gives them money. So your calling is not about you. It's not about making you recognized. It's not about you being celebrated. It's not about you being recognized. That's not your calling. That's not, that's not what your calling is about. Number two, your calling is not your career. Your calling is not your career. Most of us are confused. Most of us confuse our work or our jobs with our callings. While it may be one and the same for some, for example, they are, if I go into full-time ministry now, my job is my calling. But right now, I'm called as a pastor, but I also work as a network technician. So I have a job, but I have a calling. I understand clearly that whatever I'm doing as a job is not what God has called me to do. Because I know exactly what God has called me to do. So you may have a job, but that job may not be your calling. 
for example a woman may be a sister may be teaching in school as for a job but called to teach kids in church so your job is not your calling number three your calling does not come from you we don't choose our calling god calls us how he sees fit in accordance to his plan for us god loves us more than we can ever imagine he guides us and cares for us according to his plan in our lives when we face decisions sometimes we have to choose where to leave the profession to enter or the church we should attend we should understand that it's not about us it's about god's plan for our lives and this is why you don't just wake up one morning and just decide i'm going left i'm going up i'm going i'm going down you must ask yourself what does god want me to do because there are people who, are ma- who have made decisions to move and take a certain direction and went out of god's calling because some of us are driven by money if we hear now that there is money in north dakota it doesn't matter whether we are in god's plan or not we will be heading for that direction because many of us are motivated by money we are motivated by profit by profit and not our calling number four your calling is not your future goals your calling is not your future goals a lot of us have goals that we've set you know i want to build an orphanage i want to feed the poor i want to take care of widows those may be your ambitions but it may not be your calling while it is fine to set goals and plans for the future instead of worrying about tomorrow or next week or next year remember that god has you just where you he needs you for a season so as you navigate the current season of your life be sure to place emphasis on being faithful and serving him where he has placed you so if you are not faithful for example in the local church where god has placed you and then you're trying to find out your great calling what god wants you to do in five years you may not find it you may start by being faithful in the local congregation where god has placed you in the local fellowship where god has placed you as you serve in that place as you are consistent you are committed god will reveal his steps to you one day at a time one year at a time but there are people who want to know god's plan for their life for the next 10 years when they are not faithful where god has placed them so your calling is are not your future goals now real quick before we go deep let me give you signs to know that you may be doing something that is not your calling signs to know that you are not in your calling number one you are not fulfilled if you simply don't feel fulfilled you are not living out your calling fulfillment is a feeling that stems from doing meaningful purposeful things your fulfillment may come from you know thriving in a relationship that you are passionate about or your fulfillment may derive from a job that uses your talents and skills you know of course life has its sharing you know days boring days some days you feel bored some days you feel you know you don't feel excited every day but in everything that you do 
your job, every time you go to work, you don't feel fulfilled. It's like the moment, the moment you think about going to work, you, you dread going to work. You, 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 you need motivation to go to work. It can be a sign you are not in your calling. And it's time for you to ask God what to do. Number two, if you are openly sinning, you are not in your calling. If you are openly disobeying God's command, you are not living out the purpose that God has for you. So it is, it is the longer you stay in disobedience, the longer you delay God's calling for your life. Because you may be saying it's like a woman or a man who is living in fornication and telling God, uh, I want to know what you want me to do in the next five years. And God is saying, stop fornicating. Stop stealing. God is more concerned about saving your soul so you don't perish in the fires of hell than showing you what you should do in the next five years. So when you consistently and deliberately decide to live in rebellion and sin, you are delaying God's calling for your life. There are people that God has called for ministry. God has called to do great things in his house, but they have entanglement with sin. They have things that God is trying to get them out of, and they won't let go, but they want God to use them. And God is saying, hey, I want you to stop this. I want you to decease from this habit, from this behavior, so I can show you what to do. But we dwell in those things, we dwell in sin, we dwell in compromise, and yet expect God to reveal himself to us or reveal his plan for our lives. When you live in sin deliberately, you are delaying, you are not living out your, your calling. Number three, you feel stuck. You know, similar to being fulfilled, but yet distinctly different. If you feel stuck, you know that you want more from life but you don't have a clear direction. You feel that you're not living according to God's purpose for your life, but you can't put your finger on what exactly is making you feel that way. You feel trapped or unsure can be a sign that you are not in your calling. Now let's go to the heart of the matter. How do you find your calling? How do you find your calling? Number one, Know who God is. Know who God is. Before you can begin to understand what you are called to do, you have to truly understand who God is. Now, if you have been a believer for some time, you may already have a good picture of our Heavenly Father, and that is great. But how do you know who God is? By spending time in fellowship with him, reading the word of, word of God, by praying, being still and listening to his voice, which is difficult for many, because many of us find it difficult to spend time daily in his word, to spend time in the scriptures, just to be still in his presence. We must allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and reveal his truth to us. In Acts chapter 17, verse 20, it says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also as your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. It says, For in him we live, we move, and we have our being. 
So if we don't know him, we can't know how to live. We can't know how to move. I will not know how to be. So a man who knows God will know himself, will know what God wants him to do. So ignorance of God is ignorance of purpose. It's ignorance of direction. It leads to confusion. The reason why people are confused about what God wants them to do is because they don't know God. They don't know God. When you know God, you will know his purpose for your life. Now, a few things to ponder on as you think about knowing God. Number one, God does not make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. In Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Number two, he loves you more than you can ever imagine. These things as you ponder upon will let you know God. He loves you. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. God loves you. God loves me more than we can ever imagine. Number three, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. When you know God, you will know these things. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Number four, God is good. He is compassionate and is merciful. In Titus chapter 3 verse 4, he says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, verse 5, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So the first thing I said, for you to know your calling in Christ, you have to know God. Number two, you have to know who you are in Christ. You have to know who you are in him. So once you know who God is and you are certain and settled with that truth, you will be changed. Majority of the crisis, troubles that we have as Christians is identity crisis. When you don't know who you are in Christ, your circumstances will begin to define you. You look for identity in the wrong places. You look for compliments in the wrong places. You look for joy or happiness in the wrong places wrong places, because you don't know who you are. You need to know who you are in Christ. When the Spirit dwells in you, you will be closer to who God has created you to be. We are all a work in progress. But knowing Him Knowing God is the first step. We are all called to, to bear witness of Jesus Christ and to build the kingdom of God. But each of us is assigned to a different role. That is your unique calling. So you must know who you are in him. It's like in a company. If you are hired in a company and you don't know 
the role that you've been called to play in that company. You'll be, you'll, be, you'll be going to work every day without accomplishing anything. You don't know whether you are the manager, the accountant, the supervisor. You just show up and sit because you don't know your job description. When a man knows who he or she is in Christ, he gives clear direction. He gives vision. He gives understanding. You are not confused because you know who you are in Christ. Now, a few things will help you understand who you are in Christ. Number one, you are chosen. You are chosen. So even if nobody likes you, nobody chooses you, nobody prefers you, always remember that you are chosen. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. He says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So know that you are chosen. Number two, you are loved. You are loved. Like I said, a lot of people are looking for love in the wrong places because they have not received the love of God. When a man or a woman has not received the love of God, no man can love you enough. No woman can love you enough. You will always be looking for more because you have not received the ultimate love which can only be given to you by Jesus Christ. In Psalms 36 verse 7 it says, How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. How priceless. God's love for you cannot be given a price tag. It is priceless. Number three, you are redeemed. You are redeemed. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. What does this mean? There is nothing you have done that God is holding against you. There is no sin you committed that God is holding to your charge. If you have given your life to Christ, you are redeemed. Every sin you committed, every sin, it doesn't matter the gravity of the sin. If you come to Jesus Christ, those sins are washed away. You have received forgiveness. And so sometimes when people don't understand redemption, they can be held down by a sin that they committed in primary school. The devil brings it all the time to you. Look at you. Look at what you did. You think you can be anything. You think God can use you. But when you understand redemption, you understand it's not about you. It's not about anything you could ever or can do. It's about the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He paid the price that you may be free. There is nothing you could ever do for yourself. You are redeemed. And number four, this is beautiful, especially for ladies. You are beautiful. For a man, you are handsome. In Songs of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. I wish a lady would memorize the scripture. It says, You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. What does this mean? The way God made you is perfect. Now we have in these days 
ladies, especially ladies who have identity crisis, who are trying to make up for the things that they feel they don't have. Those who feel they don't have enough breasts are doing breast implants. Those who feel they don't have enough behind are doing butt implants. They are trying to fix themselves because according to them, they have to look a certain way to be beautiful. But the Bible says you are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Meaning the way God made you, he designed you like that for a purpose. He shaped you that way for a purpose. He gave you that height for a purpose, that skin color for a purpose. But once you don't know who you are in Christ, you are not even satisfied with the way you look. You are not satisfied with your shape, with your height, with your color. You, you wish you had better. You wish you had something else because you don't know who you are in Christ. So you are looking for identity in the wrong things. And number five, you are a child of God. What greater identity could a man have to be a child of God? In John 1, 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If someone came to us and, and introduced themselves and said, I am James Biden. Maybe the son of Biden or the cousin of Biden or the grandson of Biden. We would think they are privileged because they are related to the president. But how more privileged are we not just to relate to a president but to be children of God? God who controls the universe. God who controls the whole earth. We are his children. So know who you are in Christ. Because until you know who you are in Christ, you can't know your purpose. It's like the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, as long as the heir is still a child, he remains a slave, even though he's master over all. How can God reveal to you what you should do when you don't even know yourself? You are still confused about who you are, and yet you want to know God's plan for your life. It's like a pilot who wants to fly a plane, but he's not sure that he's a pilot or he's a mechanic or he's a cleaner in the plane or he's a flight attendant. You're not sure about your role, but you want to fly a plane. Nobody will give you that plane because you are not sure of who you are. But when you are settled that I'm a pilot, I am not a flight attendant. I am not an engineer. I am not a cabin part of the... I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a technician. My role in this aircraft is to fly this plane. That is when you can be trusted. So know who you are in Christ. Number three, pray. If you don't know something, ask the Father. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you and show you what he wants you to do. As it is also said, don't worry too much about the future. Take the very steps that the Holy Spirit is leading you day by day, day by day. 
and gradually he will lead you to the place where you're supposed to be. So pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what he wants you to do. Number four, identify your passions. Identify your passions. If you don't know what your calling is, it might be best to first figure out what are your passions. If you don't know what your passions are, ask yourself the following questions. What makes you up in the morning? What wakes you up in the morning? What is your motivation? Where do you find your mind drifting to most often? Where do you find your mind drifting to most often? It's like before I became a pastor, when I was in high school, I always see myself preaching. I always see myself preaching. I was even preparing messages when I had no, no place to preach. My mind was just about preaching. I didn't know that I was, I was going to be a pastor. But I always see myself preaching. So before you begin to pray about, you know, these passions, read scriptures related to finding your calling from God, then spend time exploring your talents, your gifts, and your passions in a way that is informed by God. So identify your passion. For example, there are people who are passionate about children. Some people are passionate about cooking. Some are passionate about singing. Some are passionate about prayer. That passion could be a sign from God that this is what God wants you to do. Like I said, you may, you may have a secular job where you make money, but you have a passion. And you know that this passion has nothing to do with where your money is coming from. This is where God wants you to serve. And number five, seek trusted advisors or trusted counsel. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, verse 6, it says, Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. There are people, based on their spiritual maturity and their knowledge in Christ, they can identify your calling. Like a pastor, there are times where I will pray and God will tell me something about somebody and say, this person has this gift. This person has a gift of prophecy. This person is called to do this. And I will tell them, say, hey, this is what God is calling you to do. So if you're confused about what God really wants you to do, or maybe you have a clue, but you're not sure, you can go to your pastor or go to a trusted advisor, somebody you trust spiritually, and say, hey, I'm feeling like God is calling me to do this. I just wanted to talk to you and see if you can pray with me or give me an advice on what I should do. Because there are people who have a feeling or who have an ambition or a vision about something and they jump into it. I told a story about a pastor who went to India and he was serving in India for many years. And he did all that he knew. He struggled and the church was not growing. People were not even coming to his church as good as he, as he was. And then he took a retreat one day to find out, why is it that I'm here for multiple years? Can you imagine a missionary in a foreign country for about 10 years and doesn't have 25 people in church? He's receiving resources from the United States. He's giving food to the poor. 
he's serving in the community, he's engaged. The people don't come to the church. And so one day he went to God in prayer, and the Lord said to him, who sent you to India? That's when he realized that all this while that he was in India, thinking that he was doing the work of the Lord, God had not sent him. So there are people who jump into things and assume that this is their calling because they don't want to trust the advice from mature people or from their spiritual leaders. So before you take steps, before you dive into something that you're not sure of, seek advice from trusted spiritual advisors. And surely you'll be guided. Number six, try different ministries. What does this mean? Maybe you are in a church. You are not really sure of what God has called you to do. You can try different things. You can join the intercessory team. Let's say I'm going to give myself three months and find out if I'm called to be an intercessor. I'm going to try to join the kids ministry. You can try different areas of ministry. And sometimes in the course of trying, you will find out exactly where your fulfillment comes from. And then you know, wow, this is where I belong. And you focus in that place. So try. Before you commit yourself and say, the Lord has called you to be an intercessor. When, you, when the grace of intercession is not in you. And that is why sometimes people will join ministries and they end up becoming a problem to that ministry because they were not supposed to be there in the first place. Number seven, think outside the box. Now, this is important because many people, when they think about their calling, they think about church. And sometimes people are fighting in church for the platform. You're hoping, when will I get the opportunity to preach? When will I get the opportunity to sing a special song, to do this in church? God's calling for your life does not revolve only around the church. There are people that God has called, and their calling is not in church. So be open-minded. Don't think that if God has called you to do something, it must be in church. There are people God has called to feed the homeless. There are people God has called for prison ministries. There are those God has called for hospital evangelism. So your calling may not be in church. But if your mind is not open, you will find yourself forcing in yourself into an area where God has not placed you. And anytime you find yourself in a domain and an area where God has not placed you, you will be a problem in that place, like Jonah. Jonah was a problem to the sheep and the people in the sheep because he was not called in to be in that sheep. So if you join the choir, when you are not supposed to be in the choir, you'll be a problem to the choir. You don't know why the choir master don't like you because you're not supposed to be there in the first place. So be open-minded. God will be calling you to take it off, you know, abused women, you know, victims of domestic violence, ex-convicts. You are in church, you serve in a particular congregation, but this is where God has assigned you. So you leave the church on Sunday, on Monday, you go to the area of your calling. So be open-minded. Don't think that your calling revolves all around the church. Number eight, be willing to leave your comfort zone. Be willing to leave your comfort zone. Because like I said, sometimes God is going to reveal to you an area 
of your calling where you are not comfortable at all. Because oftentimes, we want our calling to be something that keep, brings us comfort. This is why there are few missionaries. And even sometimes when we announce we are going for mission trip, it takes only the brave to say they want to go because a lot of people think about their comfort. And sometimes when people hear the description of where we are going or where the missionaries are going, they're like, I'm not coming. Because we like to be called to where there is comfort. But if you're truly going to be, going to be used by God, you have to be willing to leave your comfort zone. I was talking to a pastor friend a few days ago, and we were laughing. And I said, it's not, is it not crazy how when pastors are in the Bible school, we are praying, say, oh, Lord, send me, wherever you send me, I will go. Wherever you send me, I will go. And then as soon as you leave Bible school and your church transfers you to a village church, you say, no, I'm not going. Sometimes the pastors will resign and start their own ministry. Because in as much as they are saying, send me, I will go, they are thinking about comfort. Nobody wants to go to the village to be a pastor, want to be in town. That is why sometimes you go to certain towns, you find one church, one, one, one street has 11 churches, but the neighboring village has no church because everybody is looking for comfort. So even as a Christian, God may give you an assignment or a calling that does not leave you with comfort. He sent you to preach in the prison. And anytime you go to the prison, you are scared for your life. But that is where he has sent you. And number nine, don't let fear hold you back. Don't let fear hold you back. A lot of people have been deprived of their heavenly calling because of fear. Because of fear. I'm afraid. I'm shy. Anytime you're given a responsibility, you don't, even want to, you don't even want to try because fear is holding you back. You will never find God's purpose or God's plan for your life if you are operating in fear. If you are going to find what God has called you to do, you have to be brave to try, to launch out, to take risks, to go forward. Because that is how you find out who God has called you to be. If David had never stepped to the battlefront, he would never have killed Goliath. Now, I put it to you that any soldier among the Israelite armies would have killed Goliath if they were able to step to the battlefront because God needed just one person that he was going to use to bring down the giant. Goliath challenged the Israelite soldiers for many days saying, send me one man. If that one man defeats me, then we will all be slaves to Israel. And if I defeat that one man, then that then Israel will all be slaves to all the Philistines. So God needed just a man to step to the battlefront. But David was fearless. He stepped out and the grace of God came upon him to bring down Goliath. So it was, that was how David was appointed commander. He had no military training, but he was appointed commander in the army of Saul because he was fearless. He would never have known the potential that God had placed in him if he did not step to the battlefront before Goliath. There are people who will never find out exactly what God has called them to do because of fear. Don't let fear hold you back. So in summary, brothers and sisters, there are nine things I've said you have to do 
to find your calling in Christ. Nine. Nine things I've said clearly to help you find your calling in Christ. Number one, if you don't know God, you can't know yourself. And number two, when you have known God, the second thing is you have to know who you are in God. Know who you are in Christ. Know who you are. Number three, pray. Number three, pray. Number four, identify your passions. What is it that drives you? Number five, seek trusted counsel from your pastor, from elders, from mature Christians. Number six, try out different ministries, different areas, and see where you are, you are most effective. Number seven, think outside the box because your calling may not be in church. Number eight, be willing to leave your comfort zone. And nine, don't let fear hold you back. Father, we give you praise and glory. Be exalted, Adonai. Be exalted, bright and morning star. What a glorious God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Receive all the praise. Receive all the glory. For you alone are God. You alone are King. Be magnified, Yahweh. Be magnified. In Jesus' name. Amen.